0: Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 201 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast, We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present BDSM Nightmares. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast.
1: Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. This week, we want to remind our listeners the purpose of the Kinky Cast is to share the world of kink with a strong emphasis on education and safety. We are presenting six true experiences by women who share their personal horror stories in the BDSM kink world. They are allowing us to glimpse into a dark episode of their life to help you understand the importance of safety in this world. The stories are graphic and contain explicit details of sexual situations that went out of control. If you feel the subject is too intense, you may wish to stop the podcast now. Here's our first
2: experience with a strong message. Don't play with people that you don't know, and if you do, be prepared for surprises. What kind of surprises? I went to a large fetish convention in Florida, and it was before I had a dominant. I met some people, had a lovely dinner with them. We chatted through dinner but didn't really know each other well, and in the course of the conversation... One of the people at the meal said, would you like to play in the dungeon after dinner? And it sounded like a great idea. So we got back together after dinner and went into the public play space. And the convention was heavily attended and people were throwing the fire alarms. So there were a lot of disruptions. They cleared the dungeon several times. Um, I was restrained and on a spanking bench. And there really hadn't been a negotiation beforehand, which was a mistake. I didn't know anything about his play. He didn't know anything about my play. I am a Stoic, which is they do not yell. They do not cry. They do not scream. They just take it. And a lot of people don't want to play with Stoic because you don't get a lot of payback from that kind of play. No wiggling, no moaning. No, it's just a, it's it maybe very unsatisfying for a lot of dominance, but it happens to be how my play is. I had been receiving flogging single tail and paddling for about 30 minutes when I actually did something I rarely do, which was to yellow. I said yellow, and he said in my ear, I don't respond to safe words. Should have told you something right there. Y- yes, and I was in a predicament because I was handcuffed to the bench. I was already pretty far into subspace, so it was getting difficult for me to even respond. And for me, when I get that to that place, I have a lot of difficulty voicing and I have a lot of difficulty recognizing when my body might be in trouble. So I didn't know what else to do except continue to take it. And I just tried to go into a mental place where I could Take it. And he continued to paddle me with heavier implements and using canes, which are fine. All of the implements were fine. It was just the intensity of it. I could feel blood running on my back. And I had a corset on, and I could feel the skin around, above, and below the corset and on my legs becoming very raw, and I could feel blood running. At one point, I reached out and I touched his leg to try to get a response because I couldn't voice it anymore. And he whispered in my ear again, Oh, now you're really in trouble. Oh, no. It was more of the same for a long time. And finally, about an hour and a half into the session, the dungeon monitor came over and stopped it. He was not pleased. He walked over to the side. He spoke to someone and then came back and whispered in my ears, I've sold you. You're only worth $25. And he left.
1: That must have terrified you right there.
2: Well, it's it's terrible for a woman to only be worth $25. (laughs) You've been discounted. Luckily for me, the person that he sold me to was a kind and gentle soul. He helped me get extricated from the bench. And when he walked out into the light and saw... The damage that had been wrought, he took my room key, took me to my room, helped me to clean up the blood, and he sat with me for several hours until I at least could go to sleep. Well, I saw the person that sat with me uh, one more time the next day for just a few minutes, but I never saw the person that I played with. So he doesn't even know the extent of the damage that he wrought. It was a dark room. You couldn't really see. There was not enough lighting to be able to see the status of the person you're playing with. He didn't know Anything about the outcome, and that's I'm very disappointed by because I really think he needed to see that. Maybe he would have been happy. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, and the, the things you did right here were play in a public play space. Right. Lots of people around you, dungeon monitor
2: on duty, but they didn't stop the scene when it was getting too intense. I found out later that the philosophy was you didn't stop the scene unless there was clear signs of injury or you're interfering with someone else's play. That didn't help you at all. No. So I think my biggest mistake was to play without clear ideas. The person that was playing me that I don't respond in the normal way. And then that's something that I've since become become very acutely aware of doing every time I play with anybody. I always make sure they know I'm not going to scream, wiggle, holler, and do all of those things. And so if that's what you're looking for, I'm not the girl for you. (laughs)
1: And something else to do is maybe check out some references if you can find out who you're playing with.
2: Right. And I did find out later on that this is kind of like an M.O. That's all I know. I was able to find out later that they kind of trolled and picked people up, and that's how they got playmates. Because he didn't have a lot of playmates, I guess, there at at that location, because a few people knew how rough the play was.
1: Wouldn't it be nice if somebody would have come up to you and said, "Ah, watch yourself?
2: Sure would have been.
3: And with us, we have the lovely Anne, who has a story of her own BDSM nightmare to share with our listeners. Hello, Anne. Hello. Tell us about this encounter you had some years ago when you were relatively new. Tell us about it.
4: Yes, I was rather new um, back in, I think it was about the summer of 2000, and I was talking to a lot of people on the internet and... I started talking to someone who I really liked. He gave me his phone number so I could call him. And we talked for a couple weeks. And we made some arrangements to meet. He was going to come to my town. And he lived about two hours away. And we scheduled some time to meet in a public place. I knew I was supposed to meet in a public place, and I was all excited about meeting this man who I'd been talking to for several weeks. And as I was getting ready that day to go on this date, someone started knocking on my front door.
3: The front door of your
4: home? The front door of my home. And in my home at that time were my children. So I went to the door and opened it and saw this gentleman out there, and I'm like, oh, no, this can't be. And had you seen a picture of the gentleman you were expecting? No, I had not seen a picture. Okay. So I stepped out onto the porch and started talking to him and said, we were supposed to meet, you know, in an hour, not here at my house. He said, oh, but I was so excited. I just couldn't wait to come up here and see you. Oh,
3: my, this, this is getting a little scary.
4: It was getting scary. I was very nervous because I was home alone with my children, and I'm thinking, how do I get this man away from my house? He had already broken my trust because we had agreed to meet, at a uh, a public place, not at my home. So I step out into the yard and, and sort of walk him to his car. He's still trying to build some trust with me. The question, how did he find you at your home? Well, I later learned that I was talking on a landline, and he used the Internet to do a reverse lookup. Omar. Yes. So he found my address. He had my name. He had everything with my phone number because he had caller ID when I called him. I thought that was going to be safe because I was calling him. I go out into the yard and start talking to him, and he begins to try to uh, show me that he could be trusted. So he's pulling out his ID, and uh, he wanted to show me his ID, and he was talking about the car he was driving and that sort of thing. So I'm looking at this ID, and it's an ID that I'd never seen before because I couldn't understand what it was, and it was a parole ID. A parole card? It was a parole card, yes. So he begins to explain to me that he had just gotten out of prison because he had been uh, sentenced to prison for bank robbery.
3: Bank robbery? Yes. Oh, my. You know how to pick them, don't you?
4: Well, yes, I do.
3: (laughs) I hope your future contacts have been better. They
4: certainly have. I've learned to be a little bit more discreet uh, how I communicate with people.
3: Did this gentleman get the rest of the date?
4: Well, like I said, I needed to figure out how to get him away from my house, so I agreed to have him follow me to another location. Basically, all he was wanting was some sex. Did you give him sex? I did to get rid of this man. Oh,
3: I I do adore women like you.
4: But it was a very scary situation, and it taught me a valuable lesson that it takes more than just a phone call to learn about a person. He traveled two hours to my house, knocked on my front door with children in the house, and he broke that trust. So I learned a valuable lesson there. I learned that I needed to be more discreet in allowing people into my world. That is
3: a very scary, scary story, and I'm very glad you're here today to tell us about it. Well, thank you. Glad in more ways than one.
5: Hi, KinkyCast listeners. This is Kate Kinsey, and I am sharing with you today probably one of the worst uh, near nightmares that I had in my new days in BDSM. I learned a lot of lessons from it. It was a very intense and confusing event. I went to the local swing club here that had a BDSM night, and I was uh, scheduled to help a local femdom, dominatrix, top someone that I knew well. Uh, But she had this guy in from Texas, a dom who wanted to bottom for the first time. Good-looking guy named Dominic, or at least he claims that was his name. Very personable. I was immediately attracted. We spent a lot of time talking I knew I was in trouble when we started talking about the Tim's unit, and my cunt literally was gushing. But he really wanted to bottom, and the dame that had brought him in was overbooked, and he was a bit nervous about playing in front of everybody in the main room. So she sent me off with another submissive uh, that she was training and topping uh, to put a humbler on him. But we could not get the thing to work. Uh, He was very pleasant about it and patient, and then he asked me to spank or flog him. I did. I wasn't very sure of myself. I am predominantly submissive, but at that time I was testing the boundaries, seeing if I could tap into any switchy possibilities. I think he was getting some of what he wanted because I couldn't go very hard. He couldn't have any marks. He was married, and that kept me from doing too much, or anybody doing too much that was heavy. But he kept flipping on me. At one point, I'm spanking him, and he grabbed me by the hair over his shoulders, uh, even while he was on his knees, and I just, I folded. The submissive in me came out, and at that point, I was okay with it. He took over, beat the shit out of me with a crop and floggers. Luckily, we were using my toy bag and not his, and I don't have any heavy artillery in there except for a spiked choker chain that you use for training dogs. We had some problems with that. That was something that was in my bag just for shock and awe value. We never actually played with it. He had that around my neck and dragged me all over the place. My neck was badly bruised. Luckily, not bloody, but I have bruises and handprints on my neck and face the next day. In the club, he had me doing some things. He had me go down on a male sub that somebody else was topping, and he had me walking through the club to the bathroom, naked with that choker chain around my throat. He sent me to the gangbang room, but um, found a couple of guys, and that was okay. I was good. I was having a good time. What I didn't realize until much, much later was the glass of what I thought was water that he was drinking was apparently vodka or gin. I didn't smell alcohol, but it wasn't until later I began to realize that his behavior was getting worse. He informed me that I was going back to his hotel room with him, and at that point, I I was eager to go. Uh, The stupid thing is, when he said his hotel was the Union Station here in Nashville, that's one of our nicest hotels, and I thought to myself stupidly, well, serial killers don't take you to really expensive hotels to leave a dead body behind, so... He said I was going to go back to his hotel room. I said okay. But when we got there, he pulled my top down, exposed my breasts, and sent me to get ice on another floor. I was very nervous, so nervous that I forgot to pay attention to what floor his room was on. Uh, I managed to get the ice without running into anybody, but I had to go to every floor to find the right room. I have to give him credit. He was very specific about what he wanted and what he expected. He was a mean bastard, and that really wasn't a bad thing for me. His play level and mine seemed very compatible, but somewhere along the way something got off track, it was the whole switching thing. One minute I'd be totally in a really good subby space, and then he would piss me off. I don't know how else to describe it. He unpacked my toy bag, uh, seeing what I had. Um, he I had an electric fly swatter, which sounds really lame, but... Was actually really painful, and he used that, enjoyed that enough that he broke it. He liked to slap the face hard. I was really worried at some point that my ears would start bleeding. I'm not wasn't that familiar with how hard somebody can be slapped before serious damage is done. At one point, you know, if I could not respond quickly enough, he slapped me until I managed to say something at all. He used uh, all three of the floggers I had on me, hitting very hard a lot of oral sex, but things like he had me lay down on my back so he could fuck my throat, and he got angry when I accidentally scraped him with my teeth due to the position and started hitting again. He used the Tins unit for a long time and was very disappointed that I didn't have the cattle prod that I had mistakenly told him that my master had. Uh, he used clothespins, and, of course, he... You know, fucks me bareback while calling me a fat pig whore, um, which is not something, you know, I am I can handle humiliation. I like some humiliation, but fat pig is not among them, but I couldn't stop him, so obviously. We were past that point. Um, he pissed down my throat. He pissed all over me. The big part of the problem is it just went on so long. I was past the point of exhaustion, And I should have tried to just stop it. But I got to the point where I found it hard to do anything but just keep going. But he kept switching. He kept saying he really wanted me to top him. When we left the swing club, he said that was the thing he wanted. And I would quote unquote fucking give it to him. I was new and I told him that. I was also nervous because he was very specific that I couldn't leave any marks. And he seemed very excited by what I did do, but if I pushed a bit too hard, then he lashed out and became all dom again, uh, really angry. So I couldn't stay in any sort of top space. Uh, In the middle of smacking him and yanking on his balls, he raised up, slapped me hard and said, fuck you. You know, it really messed with my head. It was like the sub me and the cape me kept canceling each other out. And again, I don't know how much the alcohol played in, I don't know how much was just part of his doming persona, but he seemed legitimately upset and disappointed that I could not fuck him well with the strap on. And of course the sub side of me just, someone is disappointed in you, that's the worst thing in the world is a sub. But I was sort of stuck in limbo. I'd start going in one direction, he'd hit a nerve that truly made me want to just beat the shit out of him, And at one point, he even laughed and said, after he hit me, said, Oh, I can see that was a mistake. I can see I shouldn't have done that. It was like playing to a double standard. I was submitting without limits while dominating within the rules of the bottom. I found myself both devastated and sobbing because he was so angry for not giving him what he wanted, and he lectured me for a good while about how he trusted me with his body because he wanted the experience of bottoming, and I had fucked it up. Uh, At the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head yelling, You're not being fair, you bastard. I did the best I could, and I did fuck you with uh, the strap on. I just wasn't very good at it. And you kept on fucking with me when I told you I wasn't very experienced, and you said that was okay. Okay. Then he got the chain leash, uh, started beating my tits. I had to yellow. I was literally shaking with exhaustion by this point. He went back to the tins again, the flogger again, fucked me again. Then he made me go get some lotion and massage his back and allowed me to lie down beside him. He fell asleep almost immediately for about 15 minutes. Then he was up and at it again. And this time, this, by this time, I just wanted to go home. It was nearly 4 a.m., uh, he informed me that he didn't give a shit if I had to go to work the next morning. I was staying with him, that I would call in sick or whatever in the hell I had to do. I really hesitated and, and mumbled and said, no, I can't do that. And so finally he said, all right, what time would you have to leave to get to work? I said, 5.30. He said he'd put in a wake-up call. And when it was 5.30, he'd better wake up to found my mouth around his cock. I started getting afraid that he was just going to physically keep me from leaving. And I was just so tired and bruised and miserable. And I felt like such a failure on one hand, because I hadn't been able to please him, and on the other hand, I was pissed with, with him. I was just really angry. When he fell asleep again, I got my clothes on, left as fast as I could, managed to lose some of my toys because I couldn't see in the dark to gather them up. And even then, I went home feeling bad because I knew he was going to be pissed as hell when he woke up and I wasn't there. It was just a very bad, confusing, mentally more than physically, and I was very lucky that it wasn't worse than it was.
3: Wow, Kate. And what lessons did you learn?
5: Well, the first thing I learned was just because it's a nice hotel doesn't mean you couldn't be in danger from someone. 2. Just because you see a clear liquid in the glass someone is drinking from, it doesn't necessarily mean it's water. 3. If you're inexperienced and some dom wants you to try and top him, it would probably be a bad idea. Because unless it's somebody you know really well that you can trust, it's not a good mindset to try and deal with. For An inexperienced person... Four was, don't trust someone on the referral of someone that you don't know very well. I knew the dame that set me up with this guy, but it turns out she did not know him as well as I thought she did. We were all taking the word of someone that none of us knew each other very well. So if you're going to take somebody's reference on someone, make sure you find out, how well do you really know this person, and think about, how well do I really know the person giving me the referral? Can I trust them? And that's a lot
6: of it.
1: Thank you, Kate. Thank you. A listener wanted to add this to our nightmare show.
6: I was looking for a master and I had been searching around for a while. Started a dialogue with a gentleman that I thought would be perfect. We decided that we were going to have a meeting. We set up a scene. We did the do's and don'ts of, you know, what you like, what you don't like what is your hard no's, what are your good yeses? and even a safe word. So when we finally decided to meet, I let one of my closest friends know that this is what we were going to do. I didn't contact her in an hour, that she was supposed to come over and make sure I was okay, just to make sure all the bases were good, because this is a stranger that I have invited into my home. Well, I prepared myself like I was supposed to, and he came down from where he was, And I was in our home and prepared. I was kneeling on the ground, palms up, face down, naked, prepared for whatever could come. When he came in, the only thing that I saw were his boots and a duffel bag that was black and had a zipper. So the first thing that he did was he called me a dirty whore and that I had better be prepared for what was coming because this is exactly what I was going to get and the voices in my head were telling me right then and there that it was wrong but I knew better than to speak because that's who we are we are slaves and we know better so then he shoved me straight down to the ground with my my butt up in the air and then walked over to his bag And as he was doing that, he was telling me, don't you dare move. Don't you dare make a noise. And don't you dare speak to me unless I speak to you and tell you to speak. So I just sat there in dead silence. I could feel the inside just quivering with fear. Then he walked back over to me and put something on me. I would assume it was probably warming lotion or something that would conduct heat of some sort because it was very warm to the touch. And then whatever he took out of his bag, which I still to this day don't know what it was, he began to whip my lower back and my butt extremely hard, which made me sit straight up in the air the first time he hit me, which that's a no-no, you don't move. And then he shoved me back on the ground and put his boot on my head and told me, don't you dare move again, you stupid whore. And then he just proceeded to beat me. For quite a while, and all I did was shake and cry. And of course, you know, that produces a runny nose and runny makeup and all of that. And when he got done doing that, he walked away from me, went into our guest bathroom and got a towel and threw the towel on my head. Told me to sit up and wipe my nasty face because I was stupid for crying, because that's what I deserved as his slave was no consideration no nothing I was nothing nobody cared whether I lived or died including him so I cleaned myself up and I wanted to look up at him but I never did I wanted to scream our safe word which was strawberry and I couldn't get it out of my mouth I was screaming it in my head but I couldn't get it out of my mouth for whatever reason so then he pushed me over to the couch face first into the couch Spread me open and began to dry rape me anally, which was one of the hard no's in my book that he agreed to. And he just kept going and I started screaming and I eventually got our safe word out and he told me no safe word is going to save you. So he just kept going for, it seemed like an eternity. He got done and he picked me up by the back of my head and took me into um, the bedroom and tied me to the bed, face down, spread eagle, and then um, went back into the living room and picked up his bag and brought it back into the room and proceeded to take a metal object. I would assume it was metal because it was very cold and very slick. It didn't feel like glass. It was a different feeling and was rubbing it along my butt. And then he opened me up and jammed it inside and started using it abruptly, very forcefully, very painfully. I think after that point, I just became numb and went limp. And the only thing I could do was lay in there and listen to him grunt and groan. And he began to hit me in the head and smack me and tell me to scream and yell because that's what I needed to do. That I was just a pig that needed to squeal. And uh, I had, previously put my cell phone on my dresser and it must have been going off for a while because he all of a sudden got up and left the room and I couldn't figure out why and then I heard a different voice as they were walking towards the bedroom and all I could do was cry out for help and it was my friend and whatever she had done knocked on the door rung the doorbell came inside yelled for me I don't know because I didn't hear it and I really believe to this day, if she had not and I had not set up an alternate to make sure that I was going to be okay, that man was probably going to kill me. I didn't call the authorities because of my family, because that's my alternate life. I just don't want anybody ever to feel sorry for me because I put myself in that situation. I just want other slaves, other submissives of any kind, to know that that's not okay. But there's always help. Always ask for help. Find a group. Talk to them. Tell them your story. Tell the kink world who this individual is so that they can't do it to somebody else. I don't know what else to say other than it was a terrible experience, but it created a a bond for me and other people that have had similar situations. So there's always, always help for you out there. And it's not the end of the world. There are kind and generous, special, dominant males, females, whatever you are looking for that will never exceed your limitations. And you should always keep trying to find your perfect fit.
1: When somebody has a BDSM nightmare and wants to tell the story, it can be really interesting because it's a learning situation for a lot of people geez, I hope I never do that. You know, things to watch out for. Uh, Woody, I know something about these
3: nightmares that we have been gathering. Typically, they're happening to the new people. I think everybody is going to experience that in what I say the first two years.
7: Oh, no. Wait a minute. No.
3: I said typically, but your reception.
7: Oh, uh, no. I was much older. I thought I was the bomb, and I got involved with someone that I did not know well. There's He did not know well and wanted a rough scene and wanted some rough sex. And I was traveling and I was in a hotel. I was 300 miles from my house. The scene got too rough and I got hit in the face very hard a couple of times. Ended up dislocating my retina. And I didn't know it. The guy left. I'm in the hotel room and my eye swelled shut. And then my other eye, in sympathy, swelled shut. And I said, oh, shit, I can't see. When I could finally get out of the hotel room, I limped across the parking lot to a fire station that happened to be there and asked the firemen, the paramedics, I said, dude, you know, what's wrong with my eye? And they said, oh, you're cool, put some ice on it here. And I sat there for a half hour and they said, you'll be fine, it'll be okay. So I limped back to my hotel room. Now, remember, one eye is totally swollen shut. The other eye is in sympathy trying to close. So I'm holding that one open with two fingers so I can see. The sun is glaring I got back in my hotel room. I ended up staying there. Three days, I couldn't leave the hotel room because I couldn't see to drive. I couldn't see. I had I had to have people bring me food. I couldn't go out to a restaurant. It was terrible, and it was just because I, I didn't know the guy well. You know, we didn't negotiate. I just said, come on, let's do it. And he said, cool, and look what happened.
1: I think we've all had private hotel scenes <laughs> hear lee laughing over there because she has a story that she's going to tell we all want to hear that one
8: so when i first came into the lifestyle i talked to this man online for i would say about a month i explained to him that i was submissive he told me that he agreed that i was submissive but that he thought i had slave tendencies And uh, I said, well, I don't know about that. I was new and really didn't know. We explored that a little bit in our conversations online. I mean, it was exciting to think about, but giving someone total control was not something that I was ready to do, especially not the first time that, you know, you meet them. So I agreed to meet him, and we met. It was an NLA event and he met some of my friends. So I thought everything was cool. We, after the event, we went to a hotel. My first mistake was letting him tie my hands behind my back. But when you're new and you're talking to someone who you think's really experienced and knows what he's doing, you you think that he's got your best interests in his mind, but he doesn't. So he pushed me down on the bed after he had my hands tied and he took his suspenders off and then he used the clamps of the suspenders uh, on my nipples, which sent me through the roof because I'd never experienced that before. I was crying and he was, you know, doing other things and spanking and whatnot, and I was telling him to stop. And um, luckily, the hotel that we went to, it was a cheap hotel, the walls were thin. So this lady next door heard me and came and knocked on the door. So he stopped what he was doing and answered the door, and she said, Is she okay? And he said, Oh, yeah, she's fine. I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm getting ready to leave. When he shut the door, I said, please untie me. And he did, but I guess I I should have said it sooner. I was just afraid of not being what he expected me to be. That was the first time I'd ever gone to a hotel with someone who was a stranger. And that was the last time. You know, I just hope people out there really get to know someone. And it doesn't matter if you meet them in a public space or what you do. It matters when you get into that private situation what you do. So don't ever let anybody tie you up in the very beginning, even if that is your thing. Um, Get to know someone. Always have your safe call ready to go. Um, Always let people know where you're at even though he uh met a few of my friends, they really didn't know him. No one knew where I was at. These were things that were going through my mind once he had me tied up. But you live and you learn through this lifestyle not to do certain things. So if if there's any new people listening, don't go someplace with someone and let them tie you up or put you in a position where you can't get away. Always have a safe call. Always, um, get that person who is your safe call to either call you or expect a text message from you with a safe word or a phrase or whatever you have agreed upon and never share that information with anyone. If you always have it in advance, if you don't do these things where you're at and Make sure that the person who is your safe call will do the hard thing. We'll call the police if you don't connect with them when you're supposed to, because there are some crazy people out there and you need to be safe. That's the best thing I can tell you.
3: Listeners, we are here with Kate Kinsey, who's going to bring us uh, in on a most tragic uh, BDSM nightmare. Kate, welcome.
5: I originally talked about this when it happened uh, in June of 2014. Uh, A woman named Shirley Beck died in Clarksville, Tennessee. It was a story that immediately grabbed my attention, grabbed all of our attention, because it involved BDSM, and it happened just up the road from Nashville. But when the details started coming out online and in the paper, it made me sick. Sick in my heart, sick in my soul in a way I don't think anything else ever has. I'm a writer, so with the way I deal with things and process things, I write about it. But for a while, I couldn't even write about this. There just didn't seem to be any point. There was a lot of talk online among the BDSM community about what had happened, how it had happened, how we might have prevented it from happening. Even though I must point out that the people involved were not well known to most of I guess what you'd call the public community in Clarksville and Nashville. They were just kind of around the fringes, and we've all wondered if we had run into them. Was there something we could have done or said that might have saved this woman's life? But I couldn't stop thinking about the last four hours of Shirley Beck's life. Four hours, that's how long it took uh, her roommates to beat her to death. Shirley Beck was 39, She was a house slave to six roommates, including a woman named Cynthia Skipper that Shirley called mistress. And on June 26, three of the roommates beat Shirley to death uh, while Cynthia Skipper watched and egged them on. It started because one of the men living in the house, Alfonso Richardson, he saw a residue on some cups that he believed was the boric acid they used for killing cockroaches. Uh, and Shirley was the one in charge of cleaning everything. She did all the housework, all the chores. Uh, He woke up, everyone in the house, uh, shouting that Shirley was trying to kill him and his girlfriend and that she needed to be punished. Uh, Beck was hung up uh, from a chain in a bedroom. Ceiling, she was gagged, choked, and beaten continuously for four hours. Uh, Martial arts kicks, a bamboo rod, oxygen tubing, and a metal pole were among the weapons that they used on her. The story only gets worse. The meeting, as I said, started in the bedroom, but uh, when Beck leaned into the television, they moved her to the kitchen because they were worried about the safety of the television. She passed out three different times. They brought her back each time. They thought she was faking it. One of them paused long enough to take photos of her hanging from the ceiling. This hurts so much because I know what it is to want to serve, to be willing to accept pain and even cruelty for the sake of someone else's pleasure. I'm not really much of a masochist. I suffer only in order to please my master. And I know what it's like to just keep breathing, trying to endure, to simply hang on through the next blow and the next... In the knowledge that it will finally end and I'll be rewarded with a kiss, a smile, an embrace from the Master who has never in all these years violated my trust. And it tears at my heart that surely hung there for four hours just trying to endure. That's four hours. Think about four hours. And there wouldn't be any aftercare or caresses when it was done. No one was going to tend her injuries and say, I'm proud of you. She wouldn't just have bruises, she had 13 fractured ribs, a lacerated liver, and a fractured sternum. Her murderer said she did not use her safe word, which, if this story wasn't sad enough, her safe word was her son's name. But they couldn't really be sure, because she had a sock stuffed in her mouth the entire time. They said she was mumbling, but they didn't know what she was actually saying. Shirley gave her trust to the wrong people, Maybe she went looking for BDSM for all the wrong reasons. Some people think that it will fix something that's broken in them. But it doesn't make what happened to her any less horrible. She still wanted to be a good submissive. She wanted to offer her body, her heart, and mind up in service to someone that valued her. For surely the suffering just went on and on. I can't even comprehend that level of pain the rising panic when it occurred to her that this time they were not going to stop. In the last moments of consciousness, I wonder, did she realize that to these people, she was nothing. To die in that kind of anguish with that sense of betrayal, I can't imagine that must have been even worse than the pain. When tragedy hits in our kinky community, it's almost always an accident born from ignorance, negligence, or just plain stupidity. People just didn't think, or maybe they were being as careful as they could be, and uh, bad luck just fucked them over with some accident that no one could foresee. Uh, It happens, and many of us hope that someone will not be crucified just because the justice system and the vanilla world doesn't understand what it is we do or why we do it. But this was not negligence or ignorance. This was just brutality. This case is the very worst of what the world thinks we are and what they believe we do. It doesn't matter that these people, while known to some of us, were not really a part of our community and that their behaviors have crossed so far beyond the bounds of decency that we would hardly call them human beings, let alone practitioners of safe, rational, and consensual BDSM. I'm not hoping that this will be forgotten or knocked out of the news cycle by new atrocities. People should hear about this, and that's why I wrote about it back then, and it's why I followed it, because I wanted to be sure, I wanted to know, as so many of us have, that Shirley's killers received some sort of justice for her. The one decent thing about the case was that the judge, Judge Ayers, Circuit a court community judge one of the attorneys tried to bring up bdsm as a mitigating circumstance to defend one of his uh, one of the murderers said this while the bdsm was unique this was about torture it was just plain and simply cruelty and brutality that's one small small ray of hope there that they weren't sidetracked by bdsm as something freakish that let the killers go free In uh, April of 2016, all of her killers, all four of them, were convicted on varying degrees of sentences. Matthew Lee Reynolds was one. He was convicted of first-degree premeditated murder. First-degree murder and especially aggravated kidnapping, Uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. Cynthia Skipper, the so-called mistress, was convicted on two counts of criminally negligent homicide. Uh, which carried a whopping maximum sentence of two years, but it was followed by especially aggravated kidnapping, uh, for which they did give her the maximum sentence of 25 years. Derek Vincito, who was Skipper's fiancé, was sentenced on two counts of facilitation of second-degree murder with a maximum sentence of 12 years and especially aggravated kidnapping with the maximum 25 years. Uh, The judge did allow his sentences to run concurrently uh, when his parents testified that he was legally blind and had cerebral palsy plus a very low IQ. Alfonso Richardson was convicted of first-degree premeditated murder, first-degree murder, and especially aggravated kidnapping. Uh, He received a sentence of life in prison, followed by 25 years for kidnapping, he is the one that beat Beck with the metal pole when Assistant uh, district attorney Robert Nash on cross-examination asked that was kicking and punching Shirley Beck not enough so you went and got a pole. Richardson said, yes, sir, that he was in a rage. Of course, since then, he's claimed that he has found Jesus in prison and I don't even know if I could say this without choking on it. He says that he knows in his heart that Shirley would forgive him. The judge gave him the harshest sentence, no possibility of parole or release for at least 51 years, and after that life sentence, another 25-year sentence for kidnapping would begin. And again, I salute Judge Ayers, who recognized that Shirley Beck was beaten to death, and that was the only thing that was important.
3: Kate, thank you for that poignant, painful story.
5: Sorry I had to tell it, but... These things happen and everyone needs to be vigilant. When you see new people coming in and you see people that you feel are at risk, don't just look away. Take a chance. Try to talk to them. When you see people who are on the fringes, try to talk to them and find out, you know, what's going on with them. Are they getting some sort of education? Do they have a support network? Are they being isolated? That's been the toughest thing, I think, for a lot of people in this neighborhood I wondered, did I run across her at a munch? Did I ever run across her online? Was there some sort of support I could have offered that might have helped this woman, who obviously was in a bad place? Her neighbors said that she always looked scared, that she seemed very sweet. They were worried about her. Uh, One of them had called the police just a few days before. It's just terrible. The, The words don't even come close to talking about it.
3: Well, thank you, Kate, for making the effort.
5: Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Episode 201 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Venus Queen on Searching for Cuckold Relationships.